This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for The Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's good, Andrew. It's good to be back in here with you. I feel like it's been a while. It has been a while since you and I sat down and and talked a little bit. Anything new happen? Uh, How was your 4th of July weekend? 4th of July was fun. It was uh, first parade for my little guy, which was a lot of fun to see him just go, big truck, big truck, over and over again. So good crowd in Bailey's Harbor. And yeah, exhausting with two kids now, but fun. Did you make it to fireworks? Did not. We had plans to on multiple days, and then obviously the rain spoiled that on one occasion. And then also, you know, you, you start to know your limits of <laughs> those yeah. kids around. We, we skipped it with our son as well, even though I feel like this would have been a really fun year for him to see them just because of his age and how he reacts to stuff. But fireworks also happen like at nine o'clock and yeah. his bedtime is seven thirty. So <laughs> didn't wanna didn't wanna push that because kids wake up at the same time every day. It doesn't matter how late they, they stay up, they will wake up at the same time. <laughs> so if Oliver wakes up at five thirty in the morning, which he does most days, but he doesn't get to bed until nine thirty, he's just gonna be angry. <laughs> it was uh it's the same thing here. I mean Connor once sometimes will sleep a little bit later if he's up really late, but yeah, a lot of times you're like, well, he's up late, and then he wakes up just earlier. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, you're you're rolling the dice every morning. Yeah. Um, our son gets out of, is Connor in a toddler bed yet, or is he still in the crib? No, we're keeping him in that crib as long as we can, hopefully till 18. Yeah, well, that would be nice, <laughs> but uh, Oliver, after like the second or third time he climbed out of his crib, we were like, okay, it's time. Well, we put a roof on it. There's a little cage on the top. So, oh. Yeah, and can't get out. Oh, I don't know if that's <laughs> humane, <laughs> but uh. No, he, he gets out of his toddler bed, and then our room is just kitty-cornered to his, so he will just come out of his room, come into our room, and then either cuddle up to us in bed or pull us out of bed or come play games or something. He'll, <laughs> it, it's a gamble every morning, and that's how I decide how my day's going to go based on if I get an extra hour to sleep while he's chilling with us in the room or if he pulls me out right away at 5.30. Those are the bad days. <laughs> yeah, those days suck. So, uh... This week, I want to talk about two things. First up, I want to chat just a little bit about the March for Women that happened a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Egg Harbor and road construction and some of the challenges that residents are facing there. But before we do that, let's talk about the Women's March. When was the Women's March? Uh, well, technically, it's called the Women's Walk. From uh, Yeah, I guess they weren't marching anywhere. So what this was in response to the Roe v. Wade decision that came down in June, I think it was June 24th, that overturned Roe v. Wade. Uh, There were two walks scheduled in Door County, one in Sturgeon Bay on the 4th of July. I was not able to get down there for that event, although I was told there was a really good turnout and that I I think they had to modify the route because their original plan was to go down 3rd Avenue to Sunset Park where the 4th of July festivities were taking place. Instead, I think they went over the bridge from the west side to the east side to Martin Park, and then there were some speakers there. I did get up to cover the Sister Bay Walk, which went from Peach Barn Brewing Company after a couple of speeches there to the corner of Mill Road and Highway 42, which is essentially like the entrance to Waterfront Park on that corner. So uh, it was a pretty surprising turnout, actually. The the walk stretched from, at one point, from Mill Road almost all the way up to Sister Bay Hill. 
a few hundred people, probably I would say somewhere between two and 300, maybe a little more because some people joined down the hill as they came through, just wanting to not end up having to walk back up the hill at the end of it. You know, it was, it was interesting. A, a big turnout, a bigger turnout than I might have expected in Sister Bay, and then a totally peaceful situation, but uh, also like a really strong response from passersby. There was a lot of people honking horns, a lot of people stopping, give thumbs up and, and put fists in the air. Some people dissenting, putting thumbs down or maybe muttering things as they walk by. But for the most part, it seemed like a, a pretty positive response. And then a if nothing, if, if it was a negative response, people generally ignored it. And the people walking did say like, hey, let's Let's not make this confrontational. Let's, we're, we're about getting this message out that we care about this, that in this case, you know, they, they're standing up for reproductive rights and women's rights and kind of where they think, like a lot of the women I talked to in the crowd really talked about like the, this is more than just abortion rights, but what are the next salvos or next rights that might be taken away? And that sounds kind of crazy to some people because they're like, oh, this doesn't lead to anything else. Yet then you have Clarence Thomas in that decision already pointing a finger toward gay marriage and other rights. And there's been discussion in some states about contraceptive rights and things like that. So, and that was actually what I heard from many of the women there. And um, I talked to a few older women who said, you know, I can't believe we are having to fight this battle again that we fought 50 years ago when I was 20 or when I was 10 years old or that my mother fought for me. And one woman told me that she felt it was important for her like grandmother's got to march for her grandchildren is what she said. And then uh, there were several parents there with their own daughters and um, sons who said this kind of the same thing, that they were there to, to march for the, the future of their, their kids and, and the environment that they're going to grow up in. Yeah, I sometimes and it was more so back in 2020 when there were demonstrations against police violence. People were, were talking like, why why demonstrate in Door County? Like, you're not having an effect because you're not by the Capitol or anything like that. I think that demonstrations like this are a great way to bring your community together and to show solidarity within your community. But I also think that because we're a tourist destination, demonstrations like this do send that message to a, a much farther net than it might, you know, just marching somewhere like Milwaukee, right? Yeah, there was... Um there was some discussion of that, too. I talked to the organizers, Emma Cox, Sarah White, and Abby Dubler, kind of organized the march or the walk. And what Emma Cox said is she organized it, she said, because, one, she didn't see a lot of galvanizing activism on the part of women in Door County before, so she wanted to fill that gap. She said that there's obviously some organizations like the Women's Fund and things, but in terms of, like, outwardly making kind of a public display, she was saying she hasn't seen a lot of that, so she, she felt they needed to. And she said she was very... And through, she didn't expect the kind of turnout that they had. They had support and sign-on from, I think, 60 businesses in Sister Bay, which uh, that's one thing Sarah said she was really felt good about is that the, the business community was putting their names behind it. You know, it's obviously an incredibly controversial topic, has been for my entire life. I think I was born roughly seven years after Roe v. Wade battle. So to see some of this support, you know, depending on which poll you look at, anywhere from 60 to 70% are pro-choice, or at least some form of legalized abortion. So it didn't surprise me that was probably more response that way going through. I don't know where you would break those demographics down in Door County and Wisconsin particularly. I think Wisconsin's a little lower on that than the national average. So there are people who have incredibly strong feelings on both sides of this. So it was pretty heartening to see that they could have that walk and there wasn't some sort of confrontation and there wasn't like anything kind of angry about it. Right. Um, you, you know, you, you pointed back to that Black Lives Matter protest of a couple of years ago and that same discussion of, you know, who's 
this is a tourist area and some people might say, well, we come here to get away from that. And what Emma Cox said is like, well, people still live here and you can't get away from it. Like we don't, we don't get to just sanitize it because you wanted to come here on vacation. So, and, and I see that in the paper. Some people have commented by us covering that or anytime we cover anything that's controversial, uh, there will be some measure of people who will say, I pick up the paper to find out about entertainment. Like, I don't want to hear about this negative stuff. And it's like, well, we deal with that stuff too. We deal with environmental problems. We deal with water quality problems. We deal with climate change. Like it doesn't stop at that county line and it doesn't stop when you go on vacation. It, it, it continues. So sorry for those folks, but we do have to cover those things and the people do have to deal with those things here. Do people think that everybody that they interact with up here who's not on vacation is somehow a county employee? That we were all installed to make their vacations. Well, I think they're mostly vacation robots is what they call them. And they just, they are not actual human beings. They were just service robots for people on vacation. Yeah. My absolute favorite Facebook comment thread of all time was when some news station out of Green Bay reported on like Wi-Fi initiatives and broadband initiatives in Door County. And people were commenting like, why do you need high speed internet in Door County? You're on vacation. Yeah. Just put your phone down and enjoy the sunset. (laughs) And it's like, uh... Because, you know, we live here yeah. and it would be nice. I want to watch Netflix too. <laughs> right. And also pay my bills and take my classes and all the other things. Right. Anything else on the uh, women's walk before we take a break and jump into the Egg Harbor Street discussion? Just that, you know, one of the, the other takeaways was talking to the people there of like, okay, where does this lead to? What's what's the next step here? You've had this public display. You, you walked in a very public manner and, and got your message out, okay, now you just go home or or what do you do? And what Emma Cox and Abby Dubler and Sarah had said, like they're hoping they gather a ton of email addresses that day and they're just hoping to create an organization or a loose group that can just keep people aware and keep this movement going and figure out those next steps. So I would not expect that to be the end of it based on what I saw at that walk. And I, I should also mention that there were a lot of men participating, a lot of husbands, a lot of sons, a lot of other men as part of it. I would say it was at least four to one women to men, but a lot of men in in the crowd. As there should be. I mean, this is, it's a women's rights issue, but it's also a human rights issue and it affects everybody. So good to see that there was turnout from both sides. Well, somebody said to me, one woman said to me the next day, and regardless of how you, what side of the debate you're on, it impacts women more. (laughs) It just, it just does. And what one woman said to me that next day was, you know, I woke up today and I just thought, men, you just go, you get to just go on with your lives. Nothing changes. You just do your own thing. But like, there's this whole thing that drastically changes things for women and drastically changes like the, and one, Ann Crow, who from Ephraim, who was at that march also really talked about it from a public health perspective, from a patient's rights perspective, from a HIPAA perspective and a privacy perspective. Cause now it, it puts the government in the room with the doctor and the patient in this case, always a woman. So it really changes that dynamic. So she really emphasized that aspect of all these other things that happen in pregnancy that I'm not expert enough to necessarily talk about smartly here, but, but it is important, I think, for men to note that this isn't, it just doesn't impact us the same way. Our lives, how we operate, how we apply for our health insurance, all these different things doesn't change. But for women, it's a totally different day the day after. Sure. All right, let's take a break, Miles, and then when we come back, we're going to jump into a discussion on uh, Egg Harbor, what's going on with their roads, and who's impacted by it. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. 
For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. Some of Door County's best stargazing happens indoors. Every year at Door Community Auditorium, we present a star-studded lineup of concerts featuring artists like Brandy Carlisle, The Lumineers, Jason Isbell, Mavis Staples, Billy Strings, Beach Boys, and Buddy Guy. You're now listening to Marty Stewart and his fabulous superlatives returning to our stage in Fish Creek, October 22nd. Visit dcauditorium.org for a full calendar of upcoming events and to get your tickets today. Okay, we are back. So, Egg Harbor wants to totally change all of their roads around, right? They always do. Yeah. <laughs> they just work every 10 years, I think they just want to <laughs> reroute everything. No, what's going on over there? What what part of the construction project are we at now? Because we've talked about the, the highway construction part of it. We've talked about Church Street. Where are we at now? Well, there's actually been... You know, a lot of progress and a lot of stalling. And depending on which part of this project you're looking at, we've been talking about this for years. Since Egg Harbor first started discussing what was then called the Enhance Egg Harbor Project in 2015, originally they were supposed to redo the highway. The DOT was going to, the Wisconsin Department of Transportation, we just called DOT, was going to come in and redo the highway, resurface the highway through Egg Harbor in 2017. So Egg Harbor started in 2015 to discuss, all right, if they're going to do that, how do we parlay this into the best improvements we can. And that turned into a much bigger project than I think they anticipated. And they've multiple times asked the Wisconsin Department of Transportation to delay the project so that they could continue working on their other enhancement plans. It was slated to begin this fall, and they have delayed that another year. Basically that, and I should outline what that project is, they would be going through the Egg Harbor and the, the state is responsible for the, you know, just basically the driving lanes. And then everything that's beyond that, the parking, the sidewalks, the curb and gutter, treescape, all that, lighting, that's all part of the individual town is responsible for that. So Ake Harbor's looking at doing all that other stuff in conjunction with this because if, if they're tearing up the road, you might as well do it all at once. You don't want to do the road and then five years later do the curb and gutter and sidewalk. So what they want to do is enhance their lighting, put in wider sidewalks, and change the parking layout to add more parking spaces on street and just kind of get rid of a lot of the bump outs through town, which were put in in, I think it was 89 or 90 is when they came through and they actually put the bump outs in. It's an interesting thing that they're doing there because I've talked to people who were part of the decision to put in the bump outs and those were strategic. They, they went, they looked at the town and they said, we want to put in these bump outs to break up the parking. So it doesn't just look like this long line of cars with no trees, with no greenery and just asphalt and parking lanes. So they put in these little bump outs where they planted trees and greenery and grass. And now 30 years later, they're going to take all those out. And so all those trees will be coming down. They, they've talked about trying to save a couple here and there. And all those bump outs will be gone to open that up. And they'll have a couple of bump outs to slow down traffic at key intersections. But otherwise, that'll be a, a straight shot. And then they're going to straighten out the sidewalks, which probably just by virtue of making them wider, that will happen. But then on the north and south ends of the village, which they... So the village... The downtown area, like think Hatch Distillery up to the Trio Restaurant, that's called the core project in this instance. 
But on top of that, they're going to do some enhancements to the north end between County E and the end of Church Street, which would think of where like Ashbrook Suites and the hardware store is. And then on the south end, beyond like Cape Cod Motel, think between Cape Cod and Chief Oshkosh building. So they're going to add sidewalks on both sides of the streets there. And pretty much everyone was like, oh, that's great. We, we want sidewalks. But now there's been a controversy that's come up because the people who live in those areas have seen just how kind of how much upheaval there will be on their property as they add these sidewalks. So it's all within the right of way. It's all within the 66 feet. The state has rights to that land from a 66 foot wide swath from the highway. But most of these people have, it's effectively been their front lawn for years. And if you go, think of the north end of town, as you're coming from the north into Egg Harbor, on the right-hand side, there's a pretty big uh, line of trees and cedars and tree canopy on that side of the road. you understanding where I'm talking about? Yeah, like right when you go down the hill, kind of by Chief Oshkosh? Uh, I'm thinking on the north end. So flip right. that around to the north end of the village as you're coming, like the hardware stores on your left, yes. the Ashbrook Swedes on your left, then the Lullaby. That whole stretch, if you go on that right-hand side, there's a lot of trees up close to the road. And there's a lot of houses that are pretty close to the road there too. They're just buffered by some pretty thick tree coverage. Well, to do this, a lot of these property owners are looking at losing anywhere from 12 to 24 feet worth of greenery and tree coverage and front yard. So they're obviously up in arms and they want the village to rethink this. The village has basically said, we've already thought about it. We're good to go. (laughs) That's basically the response. Why do you need that much room? To put it in a sidewalk. And that is the question, right? Sidewalk's like four feet wide. And so this is where I would say the village maybe didn't communicate well enough because I've been covering this a long time since uh, since I moved back to Door County. I've sat in this very podcast studio and had an hour-long conversation with Ryan Heiss, the administrator at the time, to go over all the details of this plan. I didn't recognize that this was going to be so big. So there's no way that the village should have assumed that all the property owners would just be like here, okay, we're putting in sidewalks. Now you know what it means. I didn't envision what they had. So they're adding a four foot bike lane on each side of the highway on the north and south ends, not through town. So they still have to duke around, but on the north and south ends they do. That will make the highway a little wider. Curb and gutter will make the highway a little wider. Right now there is no curb and gutter in those stretches. And then by putting in the sidewalk, there is a kind of best practice ideal situation plan that the guideline that the DOT uses. If you're putting in a sidewalk next to a state highway, the best practice, all things being open and all this property being available, they ask for a six foot, they call it a terrace, but I think that's kind of a poor word because most people wouldn't understand that is, but it's like a buffer of grass between the curb and the sidewalk. So that six feet pushes it even further out. And then you have a five foot sidewalk right now. The sidewalks through egg Harbor are three to four feet. So you're just adding a wider sidewalk there. And then the engineering firm is saying that they they also need like a four foot work zone beyond that, that they might have to cut down trees because they need to do more sloping beyond the sidewalk for runoff purposes. So they also need more space on the other end. So it raises a few questions. I have a couple. Go ahead. I'm all for walkability. I think that towns should do everything that they can to be pedestrian friendly, as walkable as possible. I think that rather than pushing out from the road to do that, we might want to push into the road a little bit. I think that roads are too wide as it is. But that being said, what does this really add for walkability in 
Egg Harbor? That's a, those are really good questions. So there are several hotels north of County E. There's the Ashbrook, the Lullaby, the smaller Bay Point Inn. There's the Egg Harbor Lodge. There's a big condo development up there. There's the hardware store. There's Village Cafe. There is a good case to be made to connect those with pedestrian stuff. Right now, people just walk on a, kind of a narrow strip on the side of the highway. It's not a pleasant walk. I've, my, my dad happens to own a motel in that area. I've walked around there a lot over the last 40 years. I grew up in Egg Harbor riding my bike up there. Yeah, it's a, a kind of weird spot, and people drive pretty fast there. It's just past County E. People rev up their engines. They get from going 30 or 25 miles an hour to 40 to 45 miles an hour. So it's not great to have those cars whizzing by you without like any sort of sidewalk. So they want to enhance that to make it safer. Although, to be clear, when people say, well, it's got to be safer, it's unsafe now. I'm not aware of any pedestrian vehicle interactions that have been, I, I, I haven't, I'm not aware of the danger, all right, from, a, from right. an actual this happened standpoint. At the same time, when I picture my father walking on that, I don't love it. When I picture maybe walking with my kids there, I don't love that idea. So it definitely would be safer to do something there. Narrowing the roads is a good question. Like America has by far the widest roads in the world. Um, we just make them so wide. And what does wider roads mean? Faster speeds. So what they want to, what they've said they want to do on the north end is slow traffic speeds. It's the same thing they say they want to do on the south end. For those who don't know, like speed limit signs generally do not slow people down. People go as fast as feels safe in a stretch. And they're, they are constrained somewhat by a fear of the law and a fear of getting pulled over. But generally, you just naturally kind of go what feels safe. So that's why if you're going through Egg Harbor in December when there's no cars parked and no traffic and no people, you find yourself going 15 miles over the speed limit sometimes. It's not because you're trying to. Right. Even, you just kind of naturally do. What is the speed limit there through town 30. anyway? Th okay. 30. In the summer, when it's busy, when you'd want people to slow down, how fast are you going through you're Egg Harbor? probably going 20 to 25 miles an hour. Yeah, there's no way you're going 30 through that stretch yep. because you've got every parking space filled. You've got people walking across the street. You've got bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. There's no way that you're going 30 through there anyway. Correct. So the roads don't have to be as wide as they are just because you're, gonna, you're slowing down no matter what. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't put, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. That's what all the traffic studies and, and just anecdotal experience would tell you. On the north end, you don't have parking, you don't have sidewalks, you don't have a lot of these other things that slow traffic down. So people speed up just naturally. The other thing that slows down traffic is kind of tree canopy. Anything that makes a road feel kind of cozier slows down traffic. Yes, yeah. there are always one-offs that people go faster than they should. Like it happens in city streets too. But for the most part, that cars parked along the side, anything that makes you feel like you should go slower generally slows people down unless you're a jerk. But by doing this on the north end, they say they want things slower, but they're making a wider travel lane with the bike lanes and the roadway and then cutting all of that tree canopy. And it's just, you're, you're creating a very wide stretch of asphalt and concrete. I mean, if you include the sidewalks in there. So what the people up there had asked for was, hey, we're not telling you don't put sidewalks in. Can we rethink how we do it? So what they suggested is, and they talked to the DOT, because remember, the, the Egg Harbor has been saying, well, that's the DOT's requirement for a long time. Actually, it's not a requirement. The DOT operates and roads are built on best practices and guidelines for the most part. And most of those are fungible based on the terrain that you're actually building on and what exists there. Like if there's a 400 year old church and your guideline says, well, we have to have it this way. They don't tear down the church to make that. Well, sometimes they do. 
And if you're in a poor neighborhood in the city, they tear down your whole neighborhood. But in most cases, they work around that. And take Ephraim, for example, and that's what a lot of these property owners look to is, hey, Ephraim put in a new sidewalk where they never had one. And it's been incredibly successful in creating pedestrian travel. Every business owner I've talked to on that stretch said, you know, people walk more in our town than they ever did because of this new sidewalk. So it, there's a, like, not only do you have like the traffic that you're trying to make, the pedestrian traffic that already exists, but you're actually encouraging more people to walk by doing this. So there, there are a lot of merits to it. But what these people said is Ephraim put their sidewalk right up to the curb without a, a grass buffer there. How come they could do it? And then in another spot, they only have a three-foot grass buffer. But the village of Egg Harbor is saying, no, we have to do six. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt, but who cares about the grass buffer? It's just a strip of, n- it's nothing. It's, I don't look at the grass buffer and go, ah, nature. It's So here's why you want the grass buffer, though. I'll make the case for it. Anything that separates the pedestrian from the travel lane improves safety. That buffer, even though it's not a wall, it makes it safer. People don't stumble off the curb into traffic. It is the safer way to go. Also, that grass buffer leads to absorb some of the stormwater runoff. I personally do like, like in Bailey's Harbor, that grass buffer, like there are maintenance people hate the grass buffer because then you have to mow it. I like the grass buffer because you can put plantings in there. You can have greenery that separates the asphalt. You don't, I personally don't like a, you know, even though I was on the committee in Sister Bay, I think one of the big regrets there was just that we end up with a, a 60 to 80 foot swath of concrete from sidewalk to sidewalk and the roadway in the middle. So especially in the wintertime, you know, the, the six to eight months a year when those sidewalks aren't full of people and there's not a lot of traffic in town and I pull into my town and I just see this big empty swath of unused concrete for the most part, I don't like looking at that. So that's why I would say like there's a point aesthetically for those buffers. I think that there's a, a way to reincorporate greenery back into your city planning without just applying a aesthetic band-aid. You know That's what true. I mean? Like I get what you're saying about the safety and everything, but there, I feel like a grass buffer mostly is just like, look, greenery, we didn't just pave over everything. But it's, it, it's, So I would say the DOT's standpoint is they probably look less at the aesthetics and it's more about the safety thing. Because that stuff is pretty, it, it is helpful to have a buffer. Just like, a protected bike lane with some sort of buffer is much safer than an on-street bike lane. So it's, that's their priority focus. I think from my standpoint, safer than what? Like nobody's getting killed there now and there's not even a sidewalk. Nobody's getting hit there now. There's not even a sidewalk. Put up a but, railing. Hmm? Put up a railing. Could do that. Fish Creek did in one part of the town. So there's, there's those considerations there. But these people are saying Ephraim did it. They moved it right up to the curb. Ephraim has much more pedestrian traffic even before they did this project than we do in this area. So why couldn't that work here? And that would save these property owners right there. You'd save six feet of space, or they could go with a a smaller one of a two foot buffer or a three foot buffer, which Ephraim also did in other spots. Why did Ephraim do that? I talked to Brent Bristol, the administrator there, you know, they had a very concerted effort to not change the look and feel of Ephraim, but add this new pedestrian aspect to it. And they didn't want to just clear cut all the trees through there. They didn't want to encroach exorbitantly on all these property owners front yards. They didn't want to lose the tree canopy as much as possible. So they made a very concerted effort and they went down and met with the DOT and asked them, you know, could, could we do this differently? And the DOT said, yes, you can do that. But your original plans had a five foot sidewalk. Well, if you're going to bring it all the way to the curb, it has to be six foot. So it gives people more space to not be right next to the roadway. So there's ways around this. And I see this in community after community after community. I've covered major highway projects in Sturgeon Bay, in Sister Bay, in Fish Creek, Ephraim, and now Egg Harbor, Bailey's Harbor's next. 
it's the most frustrating thing in the world to me. An example of it came at the end of that meeting when one of these property owners finally, after the village said, yeah, we're not changing it. We're not looking at anything differently. We're not going to rethink this. Mike Simon, the engineer for the lead engineer in this project for Egg Harbor was in the meeting. And this one resident asked, like, have we looked, can we look and have we looked at how Ephraim did it and how they've been able to save some of their trees and save some of their greenery and not just like clear cut an, an area. Can we look at that? And Mike Simon said, I'm not very familiar with any of those projects referring to Sister Bay, Ephraim and Fish Creek. And I try to be middle of the road at these meetings, but my eyes probably rolled in the back of my head when I heard that. Cause I'm just like, how are you not looking at a neighboring community? This has been talked about for seven years. How is your lead engineer not going and meeting with those other communities to find out what worked, what didn't, and what they screwed up? And how is your village not doing those same things? I know they've done walkthroughs, but I found out in this process, they've never invited anyone from like Fish Creek or Ephraim to come out and sit down and, and kind of talk to them about what they did and what they learned. Right. So we're all reinventing the wheel every time we do this. Well, that's because when it comes to things like this, we are, contrary to popular belief, not a peninsula, but a series of small islands that are separated <laughs> from each other. We are, in many ways, we are, and, and especially when we take on these town projects. I found this out. Another example of this was, you know, when Fish Creek was looking at their bathrooms at their beach, Sister Bay was building bathrooms at the exact same time. Fish Creek came back with a plan for $1.2 million bathrooms. Sister Bay got even more of what Fish Creek wanted for about 200000 And when I called those two communities, I found out they never talked to each other and compared notes and even looked at the news reports of the other. That's one thing I always am shocked by, too, is like how many people don't even read the news reports from the other communities, like as if it doesn't matter, if there's, as if there's nothing to learn from them. And, and it happens over and over and over again. It'll probably happen with broadband, too. It'll, it, it's, I've seen it with beaches where the same engineers were working in two different communities and telling the two different communities different things they to do based on different engineers. The DOT does it. They, they give you different answers. So it takes the work. And looking into this, I was pretty impressed that Ephraim did the work and took the time to go down there and meet and ask for something versus just saying, well, this is what our engineer said is the standard, so we just have to do that. You know, if something doesn't really make a lot of sense, maybe dig a little deeper. Isn't there a summit that happens once a year where representatives for each town board get together and just talk? So, no, but there is sort of a version of that. There are some like towns committee meetings. There are meetings of municipalities where, you know, it's not like everyone from the boards all come and there's like a hundred people in the room. There's the tourism zone commission is probably the closest because that's made up of a bunch of municipal representatives, but they're going there to talk about room tax and tourism and kind of some of those impacts, not necessarily sharing notes on the, the worst part about this is a bathroom is one thing, a beach or a dock is another thing, but a highway project that is like a, it's not quite a forever project, but it's a long project. You do this, it's going to look like that for at least 40 years. And ideally you do it and it looks like that for 100 years because you did it right and you don't need to change it again. Egg Harbor is essentially redoing the project from 30 years ago and changing it all. And kind of really not even looking at why they did those things 30 years ago. And that's, that's a kind of, I think, like kind of a sunk cost, like a waste of money. Like if we aren't learning from those things, like why, why do we do them again? And unfortunately, a lot of the people who were involved in those decisions are, are now dead. So you can't just sit down and talk to them. But in any case, what Bridget Browning said at the end of the meeting, she said, I feel like we're not being heard. I feel like we're being disregarded. We are the people who live here and you're not listening to our concerns and giving any give here for us in favor of, you know, people who are walking by. 
we live here. These people just walk by here. Can we have some compromise? Is kind of what she was saying. And Lisa Van Lannan, the committee chair for Parks and Public Works, said, we, we hear your concerns. I empathize, but you know, we, have, we have to look out for the best interests of the village and, and public safety. But it was never really explained like how, what that safety is, what is that best interest for the village of doing this and not even incorporating some compromise there. Because it, what you're looking at is, I counted on one property, potentially 35 trees. This was a small postage stamp property there because these front yards are pretty heavily wooded. So I would say, you know, they, they might be looking at hundreds of trees that they're taking out there. And a good example of it is Church Street. If you go to Church Street and look at the intersection of Harbor School Road and Church Street, where they've just done that new project to add parking, that used to be kind of a cozy little corner. And now, I mean, they, they had to clear cut a ton of trees and property there to make that wider road that they wanted to make and clear the work zone beyond it. So there's now between, there's a house that was next to that intersection that basically is totally exposed now that used to have a bunch of trees around it. You barely noticed it was there. Now it's like in your face. That happens with these projects. There's no, I'm not trying to say you save every single tree and every piece of greenery. You can't do that. But this seemed like those property owners brought forward a pretty fair idea that didn't really get much hearing. On the other, what I started with was that the project getting delayed and a while ago, we talked about how this one in, endangered species, the dwarf lake igoris, was potentially going to delay that project because it might have habitat along the highway corridor. So they've been waiting for that, and they thought it was pretty much going to get delayed because of that. Turns out there there is no dwarf lake iris habitat impacting it anyway, and they just found this out this month. And this is not a Nick Harbor thing. This is a Wisconsin Department of Transportation and DNR thing. So they could have gone forward this, this fall, but they've delayed it because they could now apply for a new round of grants that might offset some of the big costs associated with the project. So that's why the project will be delayed till next year. So for those property owners, there's still time to discuss this. Nothing's set in stone right now. Things could still change, but so far the village has said that we're moving forward with the plan as is. Yeah, there's there's one big glaring issue throughout this whole conversation that that I've been thinking about. What is the name for this overall project? In Hansake Harbor? Yeah, see, that's the problem when you really get down to it, because they could have called it the Egg Harbor Excellency Project, <laughs> and this all would have been smooth sailing. Yeah, that would have been great. <sighs> so a couple other updates on this project. Church Street is almost done. They should be... I haven't been over there yet. I haven't seen it. Well, it adds a ton of parking. And then, as John Heller said, on the 4th of July, you saw that all get used. So that's good. They, so they it is working how they wanted. They should be getting striping on that road and then street lights up pretty soon. They have found out after the fact, though, that as of right now, Spectrum does not want to run conduit and internet services there on Church Street, which I think in going through some of the minutes of meetings I didn't make it to, sounds like some people weren't aware that there wasn't Spectrum there already. And now they're, they're kind of shocked that Spectrum is not, not willing to service that area. But if you look at Church Street, I, I think people might, you, you could almost view that as a parking lot project more sure. so than a street because right. there was already a road there and there there are very few residences there. So if you were going to allocate the cost of doing curb, gutter, sidewalk, streets, and parking and lighting, you're allocating that across a bunch of undeveloped properties and the Peg Egan Concert Center and the Crest. So it's basically servicing, for the most part, those two places, but then Newport Resort is a big one at the end of that street. But most of that street is empty. So if you were looking at like a cost-benefit analysis from an urban development standpoint, you wouldn't have it. But it, 
where it does come out is at the parking lot. Is there still potential for those lots to be developed into businesses? Many of them, yes. Okay, so then it's kind of thinking towards the future of like, let's put this infrastructure in now, and then if people want to open restaurants or shops and stuff later, it's a potential. Exactly. But as Car Northrop said, if Spectrum's not going to service up there, what business is going to go up there and open without internet? <laughs> and Or like if you're building a multifamily home development, how are you going to do that? And not have high-speed internet yeah. up there. I wasn't so. aware that there was high-speed internet throughout Egg Harbor anyway. I, there is, yeah. When I used to work there. Well, our, through much of it there is. But. Sure. <laughs> when I used to work there in a business just right off of the highway, our registers would default to dial-up when they didn't really? have. Yeah. I wonder why that would be. Because they've had, they've had internet there for quite a while now. Hmm. Weird. They didn't have it when I was a kid. I was that left out guy. Fish Creek had it and I didn't. Yeah, you, they, there was no internet when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah, it did not exist. Okay. No, I found out that about this thing called Sports Center one day and then I went over to a friend's house simply to watch Sports Center. Like, Can I just come to your house and watch ESPN? This is amazing. All sports all the time. Yeah, I was an easy to please kid. Yeah. So yeah, Church Street is almost done. I'm trying to think of what else is coming down the pipe. Uh, shipwreck lawsuit in Egg Harbor. They might get a decision on that. This month, and then as a refresher, after Shipwreck was denied their conditional use permit uh, a couple of years ago, they sued the village, and they're asking the judge to over overrule the village, in this case, for not following the proper rules of a, a conditional use permit hearing and not having a basis to deny it on. I kind of have no idea where that lawsuit's going to go. So that's coming down. The Village View condo development is under construction still between Mojo Rosa's and Door County Nature Works. That has a long... Old gas station. The old gas station, yep. That has a long ways to go. JJ's Candy Shop. Still in flux. (laughs) Maybe now that he sold uh, the restaurant, maybe he'll finally find someone to help him. It's looking good. I mean, it's got a sign up and everything. If anybody wants to help JJ make popcorn, he's looking for somebody, so... It's a cool shop. Any updates on connecting the beach to downtown? I remember that was yeah. part of the project. Um, so they redid Howie G last year and put in new sidewalk to connect the downtown sidewalk to the bird trail. They call the bird trail, which is the kind of off-road gravel trail down to the beach. Incidentally, they did bring the sidewalk right up to the curb in that instance with oh, no problem. Oh, so you don't even have to look at another town to figure out what to do. You no, already did it. No, you can do it right there. And they do have some projects going on down at the beach that they're investigating, but right now the costs are coming out really high. They're installing, because they bought part of the Alpine property to expand the beach last year, just a few hundred feet. And they did that in part to move the lift station, which is now right in the middle of the beach grounds. They want to move that to the edge of it. When they move that, they got to tear up the existing parking lot a little bit. They're going to be doing that this fall. When they do that, they got to redo that parking lot, and they want to expand the parking on the other side. If you come down the hill to the Egg Harbor Beach, if you can picture this, there's a bunch of parking on the right-hand side, and there's just a small amount of parking on the left-hand side. Yep. They want to add a bunch more parking on that left-hand side on the new property that they bought. And like the first quote they got was about 800000 after reworking a little bit, they got it to about $600,000 for that. That's coming out to about $20,000 of parking space, which tells you a couple of things. One, your fee in lieu of parking of $50 was woefully inadequate <laughs> if it's costing you $20,000 to build a parking space. Now, there are some terrain issues down there. but And the other thing is they're, they're just trying to rework that plan to try and save some money. So a lot of that cost comes in building retaining walls because it's on a slope and grading and some complicated things with the terrain there, but they could reduce the number of spaces. They could try and reconfigure it, but it's still going to come out in that 
I think for, for if I understood the meeting correctly yesterday, somewhere in four four hundred to six hundred thousand dollars minimum to build that thing. It's not a lot of money for parking stalls. Sure. I actually am curious, like if anyone I talked to Eric Hyde at Peninsula State Park, they haven't considered this yet. I talked to a village representative, they haven't really considered this yet, but what about not building parking? <laughs> what about? What about investing well, in public transportation? Is that what well, you're thinking? That or if you go to a lot of tourism hotspots now are limiting the number of visitors to their key places to avoid them getting overrun. Another way you can do that is what in California and some places do is there is parking at certain places. There's parking at Muir Woods. But if you want to park there, you have to reserve it in advance and you pay a fee. And if you don't do it in advance and it fills up, you can't park there. There's just nowhere to park. It's in this like windy road and, and there's hmm. there's no side street parking. So it forces you to either decide to bike there, walk there, or take public transportation. They do have a bus that services it. So it it's you add parking, you encourage driving, you which encourages more people to come and park. It's not like it's not like by adding the parking, you're suddenly gonna not have people driving around saying there's no parking. You're just gonna fill up that parking and encourage more people to drive. You know, Sister Bay's added actually a ton of parking in the last 15 years. Doesn't mean people still don't bitch about parking. So if you try to change the habits by saying, hey, we've got 20 parking spots, you can pay a premium for them and reserve them. Or you can find another way. You can walk from your motel to the beach. Like as a kid, that's what we always did in Egg Harbor. But you could carpool. <laughs> you could say, all right, maybe we shouldn't have four people go to the beach in four separate cars. So there's other options. As I, as I usually do when we talk about this kind of stuff, I think just outside of the box a little bit and then find the perfect solution. So here's here's my suggestion. Find a, a big enough lot kind of centrally located around most of the businesses in Egg Harbor. Build as tall a parking garage as you can. And then, let me hit you with this, at the roof, a series of zip lines to each business. <laughs> I like it. That'll get you where you need to go. You don't need to invest in public transportation because it's all kind of right there for you. You can run one down to the beach because you're up on a hill anyway. So you've got the clearance to make it over there. Just think how much better your dining experience would be if you were sitting on a rooftop and somebody just came flying in on a zip line. Yep. That'd be pretty cool. Exactly. And you can, I mean, you could probably get it right to a table, like a VIP table. So you zip line right into your table and your, your steak is ready for you. You always have the best ideas. Thank you. The easy, simple solutions. Thank you. I think that that's going to do it for us this week, Miles. We talked about, about a lot. This one's for you, Egg Harbor. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you're covered for a couple of weeks at least. Yeah. Thanks for chatting with me and uh, I'll chat with you again soon. Right. Thanks, Andy. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.